Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And we have a special guest that I have the privilege of being able to introduce to you. Uh, Patsy is my sister-in-law. She's married to my brother, Tony, and they are missionaries. And so they've been around the globe. They're always around the globe doing missions things. But they started uh, their first Bible school in Sicily. They, they've got it going, stayed there a while, and then they went to Rome and started a Bible school in Rome. Then they went up to Verona, northern Italy, started a Bible school. Then God sent them to Asia, and they went to Singapore and pioneered a Bible school there, grew it, nurtured it, turned it over, and now they're in Australia overseeing a Bible school. And what I love about their Bible schools is that they are raising up nationals to be pastors and plant churches and to really make an impact in the world. So it's really, really exciting. Patsy's an incredible teacher. She just wrote this book called Engendered. I had the privilege of reading it in January, and it's amazing. She's, she's taught a different lesson in each service. So a lesson last night, a lesson first service. She's going to teach a completely different lesson in this service. All of that will be available online, so you can go back and check it out uh, through the week here. And she, 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 it's just an amazing book. Uh, it's available, too. You can pick it up. So I'm really excited about what we're about to hear, and I, I, I haven't heard this message yet, so I'm excited about this new message. So can we just let Patsy know how excited we are to have her as she comes forth? Boardman, TCI, let's let her know. Thank you, Joe. Praise God. It's good to be in Warren, Ohio. And um, we leave tomorrow to go back to Brisbane and start the sweating process all over again. We escaped their uh, winter for three weeks, or I mean their summer for three weeks. It's so hot down there. And we've been um, quite happy to cool off. And now we're gonna be happy to warm up. <laughs> so yeah, we love it. Uh, we love this church. Incidentally, you know, you guys have been faithful partners of our ministry. And th all those places where uh, Pastor Joe is telling you that we've gone, in, in a way, you've come with us. And um, in addition to uh, Australia, there's some islands right above Australia that's Papua New Guinea. We also have two Bible schools there getting ready to start some more. And that's very, very undeveloped. Um, and so Tony loves to go there. And they, uh, there are hardly any roads there. And just tiny little villages that you wouldn't even know exist. And so some of our students this last year, 16 of them came from a remote village that took them four days to walk through jungles just to get to a dirt road that would then connect them to another road to get, get to school. So. Um, they, uh, it's just been really fun. Thank you. Um, thank you, church, for your big heart for your community. You're connecting people with, with God in this community, but you're also helping even further. Thank you for that. What a wonderful, wonderful expression of the heart of God that this church has. So yay, church. Yeah, God bless you guys. Um, it's always good to be with family. We love your pastors. We have to. They're family. <laughs> no, actually, we would like them, and I did like them even before I fell in love with Tony. 
And so uh, I just love this family, and um, it's just, we just treasure every single moment that we get to be with them. So, and now, and with you, you're a part of their heart, so really getting to be in church this morning is a, is a very precious thing for me. And <clears throat> we're going to look into the Word of God. We've already, through song, prayed, and I trust the Lord through what we've been singing. The last two songs were actually prayers. Our hearts are open for him to show us things from his word. Are you ready to just receive whatever it is that he has to give? Whatever he has to give, it's truth. It's not a battering ram. He doesn't come here when, he, when you come to church. He's not going to swat you and beat you. He empowers you with truth and makes you free with truth. So um, I'm, I, I'm going to pray, and you can agree with me, can you? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this wonderful long table in your, in your house where we can all pull up. And I thank you that the truth that you have for us gives light. And light dispels fear. It, it clarifies things so that we're not wondering and wandering in our life, hurting ourselves and hurting other people. We ask you, teach us what we need to hear from you today. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Well, on Saturday night, we talked about uh, the glorious male uh, in the two genders that God created. He made male and female. And on Saturday night, we talked about male. And male is exceedingly, when it reflects God, and that was what it was intended to do. The male gender is created intentionally to reflect characteristics of the Father God and Jesus the Son. When a man does that, there is no other creature on earth as magnificent. Because the devil doesn't want anything magnificently representing and reflecting God, he has come with fury against manhood. And then we talked about the, the, the fall. We talked about how that particular gender was fractured and the stereotypical negatives that come along with that, that gender worldwide. And then this morning in the earlier service we talked about, we honed in on women because women did, um, they did not escape the fall either. Doesn't matter how beautiful they are in appearance, there can be some pretty monstrous females walking around. No one here has ever met one though, have you? <laughs> and so anyway, we just talked about how these amazing genders, the male and female, and their potential, their purpose, their intentional purpose of reflecting characteristics of the unseen God and making him visible and tangible in this world was fractured and ruined by sin and in the fall. And no one escaped it. No one escaped it. But how Jesus has redeemed, brought redemption to mankind through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and us receiving him, 
And this wonderful redemptive work is actually uh, is extensive in its effect when we come to know about it. It is activated, the effect of redemption is activated through faith. And so faith comes where the will of God is known. That's why we're going over these things in the Bible because sometimes people are just as they are with all of our personality defects and weirdnesses and, um, and just thinking, well, you know, God is wonderful. I'm pathetic. God is perfect. I am, you know, just totally a mess, but I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Well, after we're born again, a great work happens that does, is not intended to just stay in your heart. It actually, through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, works up and can work up into our soul and literally restore what we're to be as a male and a female in representing God. So we talked about that in the first and the second session. Tonight, uh, this... this um, this particular service, we're going to look at the family. Now, God is invisible. There are quite a few verses in the Bible that identify God as being invisible. This is important because uh, there are religions who worship God as, as gods as idols and um, uh, different, different figures, perhaps that are of an animal or of a being of some sort. But our God is invisible. It's important enough that the Bible literally calls him invisible numerous times. Jesus himself, when he was instructing the woman at the well on how to worship God, he said, and this is about his father, he said, God is a spirit. Well, as a spirit, then you can't touch him, you don't see him, you don't hear him with your natural ears. But anyone in this room know that God is real. Amen. Yeah, he is real. He is a spirit. He is invisible. But as we already were saying last night and then in the earlier service this morning, God has given visible representations of himself that are able to reflect his invisible qualities and characteristics, all right? We've already mentioned male and female. Another one of his pictures is marriage. Now, Tony and I are staying with Jim and Judy in their home right away when you come right in. There's pictures, pictures, pictures. There's pictures of dad and mom. It's sweet to see them. And then there, there, are, but there are pictures of the family and all. God has pictures. Uh, they're actually living pictures. He intended that, uh, that husband and wife actually picture a spiritual concept. Because how do you wrap your head around spiritual things? Well, he gives natural things so you go, oh, okay, it's like that. God intended that marriage would picture Christ and his massive love and the church, the wife responding and, 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 and uh, faithful and loving and, and so submissive and responsive to him. God intended that marriages be like walking portraits of Christ and the church. Here's another picture. 
a walking portrait uh, of God's is actually the family. The father, one of his main names is father, which indicates he's not just almighty, he's not just creator, he is father, which indicates family. One of the, one of the beautiful prayers of Ephesians, Paul prayed for a whole church. He prayed it on his knees. He said, I bow my knees under the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The Amplified says this, the Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. The word father has been so degraded by the fracturing of that role so that some people have a horrible concept of father because of what sin did to the, to the beautiful, intended reflection of the perfect father. But in this family photo of the father and his family, it shows a loving relationship between the father and uh, the protection, which we saw in characteristics on that, um, in the first service of uh, Saturday night, that protective and merciful and kind and patient and giving and just and fair and ever-present. These are fatherly characteristics that he wanted represented. But in a family, it is not just father, it isn't just parents to children, it's also parents or children to parents, but it's also children to children, the sibling thing. And God meant that through siblings that we would see what he intended in the family of God, that there would be care for one another. There would be defending one another. And there would be believing in one another and lifting one another up. He meant for that. The devil, who hates anything that looks like God, came after all the images of God. I mentioned already male. But he went after female and desecrated uh, what she was to reflect in God and the beautiful way the Holy Spirit works. But he went after marriages with a vicious attack on marriages because he didn't want the picture of Christ in the church. And then he went after family. He hates family. He hates your family. Hates it. And so we're looking today at God's hope for the family. Because redemption also affects, not just and secures our place to go to heaven when we die. What about here? Amen. I like that song. Here, now, Jesus changes everything. Amen. Not just some by, sometime in the sweet by and by. How about here and now? Anybody want some here and now to help? Yeah. yeah. So, Jesus set the precedent then. Because people have all kind of opinion about male, about female, about 
marriage. They have a, well, in my opinion, the way I've always felt about it, I've come to believe that. And they, they say their opinions. And that you can hear a myriad of opinions. And also about family, all kind of opinions. Let's hear how Jesus responds on particular things, anything actually. Uh, in John, if you'll look at John, the fifth chapter in verse 30. This is what Jesus said. Anybody in, in here believe that what Jesus says pretty much is the bottom line where Christians are concerned? Amen. Yeah. yeah. So Jesus said this. He said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So Jesus wasn't just throwing his opinion around. Nowhere and at no time in Jesus' entire 33 years on the earth did he say, well, in my opinion. He never came to represent his opinion. He came to represent the will of his Father. So much so that Jesus said this, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. You could watch how Jesus interacted with his friends. You could see how he interacted with women. You could see how he interacted with rich people, poor people, children, sinners, religious people, sick people. If you could follow Jesus around, you would know exactly the way the Father thinks and the way the Father feels. It's flawless. It's perfect. So, let's look at a rule of thumb then from Jesus. In Matthew, the 19th chapter, if you'll go there, Matthew, the 19th chapter, in the third verse, we're going to start there. The Pharisees came also to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read? In other words, didn't you read the Bible? <laughs> well, at the time when he was saying it wasn't the whole Bible as we know it, but he said, didn't you look at the scripture? Now, we're not going to be talking about marriage and divorce right now. This isn't the point. What we're looking at is this. When somebody asked Jesus what he thought about something, you know what he did? He went to the scripture. That's it. He didn't say, well, in my opinion, what I've come to think, in my experience, he didn't do that. Because opinions can be wrong. And they change over time. They change under pressure. Sometimes they change because of experience. The word of God, the Bible says, endures forever. It never will change. And you know why? Because God is the one that engendered or initiated or originated male and female. God started male and female. God started marriage and God started family. So we look at what God has to say 
not so-and-so. Doesn't even matter if they have initials behind their name. What did God, the creator, have to say? Because these expressions came from him. Now, let's just keep reading. If you'll look here, he said, should a man devour us? Keep going, go back to Matthew, the ninth chapter, 19th chapter, and let's look at verse 5. And said, for this reason, oh no, let's look at verse 4. And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at when? When? In the beginning. So when you, where you look at the way things are supposed to look, it isn't in your friends over here, in the example of that TV show over there and in that movie over there. No, where we look for the example of the way things are supposed to be, intended to be, you go back to the beginning. So he said, he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, which we could say something about that, but we're talking about family. Look at verse 5. And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We're talking about family, but we can learn something about marriage here. But look at verse 6. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Verse 7. They said to him, and these were religious people, they said to him, why then did Moses command uh, uh, to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? Verse 8. He said to them, Moses, and Moses is the one that wrote the law uh, from God. The best way for, for humans to live. Don't murder, as opposed to Murdering, you know, okay? There's a best way for humans to live that doesn't hurt themselves and hurt other people. And Moses wrote that, and he wrote it as a law. He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted to divorce your wives. But from, look at this. From the beginning, it was not so. Now, the reason I'm pounding on this is this. Concerning, uh, concerning male, female, things regarding gender, concerning marriage and concerning family, the bottom line for Jesus wasn't the law. Was Jesus not for the law? Oh no, he fulfilled the law completely, impeccably fulfilled the law. But Jesus, his bottom line wasn't Moses. He didn't come to represent Moses. The Pharisees represented Moses, but Jesus didn't come to represent Moses. Jesus came to represent his father. Sometimes the law can be harsh. God gives truth, but in the truth, it empowers you. Aren't we thankful for the love of God? That empowers us for best and right living. So now we're looking at The family, when it comes to any of these things, we always go back to the intention, to what was engendered and came out of God in its perfection before sin got in there and messed things up. The family started actually after the fall, all right? Started after the fall. And it didn't take long for things to be dysfunctional. First family... One brother, 
as far as the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis is killing another brother. So we've got, we've got major, we've got some major dysfunction. You may, you may think your family has some issues, but you've stopped short of murder. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This family didn't. So Cain and Abel, as we know, in the beginning. However, also in this book of beginnings or book of Genesis, we have the first promise of redemption. And we know through this very first promise, as early as Genesis, the third chapter, right after man has sinned, God gave a promise that there was going to be a redeemer that would come through a woman. A woman started this mess. She ate us out of house and home. She influenced. But it was going to be through a woman that a redeemer would come. And that redeemer would crush the serpent's head. And we know that, of course, that redeemer to be Jesus. The Redeemer didn't just come in the next week. It was actually some generations. And so God started a family through which the Redeemer would come. Genesis, the 12th chapter, in verse 3. There was a man by the name of Abram at that time. He hadn't had children. This is what God promised him. I will bless you. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And look at this last phrase. And in you... In you, in other words, in your seed, the, the, the lineage that is going to be started in you. How many families of the earth are going to be blessed? So his promise wasn't that he's just going to bless him with a family. This man who was not able, he and his wife were not able to have children. His pro, this promise to him was not that he was just going to be blessed to have a child. It was that all the families of the earth would be blessed. Abraham and Sarah did have Isaac. And Isaac had Jacob. There were other children involved too, but through Jacob, this line came. Jacob wasn't even a good guy. You know, if God had to use just perfect people, we, wouldn't, we would still be on the starting blocks. Jacob was actually a real devious, you know, swindler kind of a guy. And he swindled his older brother out of the inherit, his inheritance. It went to him. And he swindled him out of his father's blessing, which was even very, very precious. And so Jacob then had to run for his life. The, the, at nighttime, while he was running away, he laid down to go to sleep. It's one of my beautiful stories of the Bible. M not my story. It was a story that I remember when I was a little girl in, my, in our Bible storybook, our family Bible storybook. There was a picture of Jacob laying and his head is on a rock. I remember seeing that picture. And Jacob, while he's sleeping, has this vision slash dream of this massive staircase with angels going up and down. So 
up into heaven and coming down. So then there are, there's these words that are spoken out of heaven while, while Jacob is having this dream. And most, you know, like what could God be speaking directly out of heaven? It could be something about his great power, his great might. It could be, you know, most anything, a message out of heaven. Let's look at Genesis 28 and see what the message is says, also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, the north and south. And in you and in your seed, through your lineage, all the families. How many of the families? Say it again. How many? Okay, I'm going to ask one more time. How many families? That includes yours. <laughs> All the families of the earth will be blessed. All the families of every place the fracture went, the blessing goes. That was Jesus' mission to bring redemption and restoration to everything that broke in the fall. Family is something that broke in the fall. Now, Jesus then comes in the fullness of time, many generations later, and as was familiar with, the, with the, uh, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, there were genealogies. In Jesus' story, there are two genealogies. You find one in Luke and you find one in Matthew. Matthew is, uh, Matthew's genealogy is of Jesus' stepfather, Joseph. In genealogies that are found in the Old Testament, the way that they list is, you know, so-and-so is the father of so-and-so, and so-and-so's father is the so-and-so and of the father and the father and the father, or the son of, the, of this man, and then, then this is the son of this man. It's all, basically, it's all male, except for the genealogy in Genesis, the first chapter. In this genealogy, which is Jesus' genealogy, we pay attention to it, maybe not any other time but Christmas, but I don't know, does anybody in here read the genealogies just to be blessed and edified on any, any day? Okay, this man does. You're <laughs> not common though, okay? So, praise the Lord. But this genealogy actually has some really interesting insight, because in it there are four women. So right away you're thinking, that's a little odd. There are four women. Well, these four women must be amazing women. They must be really quite notable people to have made it to Holy Scripture. All right? Let's look at them, four women, and who they are. Tamar. Anybody heard of Tamar? Tamar's in Jesus' genealogy. Who is she? She pretended to be a harlot and got pregnant by her father-in-law. <laughs> and you put that in there? Now, I'm gonna read the other three, but we're reading them purposefully so we can see that when Jesus came, he didn't just come on this little cloud that was just silver lined and everything was just lovely about all of his surroundings. No, 
He came to an absolutely fractured, cracked up world. The Hebrew people were living in bondage under the, under the Roman Empire. And his family has these people in, the, in them. It's kind, of, it's kind of cool right now to check your genealogy, and, and, and Joe and Gina have done so. And yeah, it's, if you get to digging, you know, they've just done DNA, but if you get to digging, you might be quite pleased at what you find, or you might be quite horrified at what you find. And so Tamar was this. Let's look at the next one. The next woman that the Holy Spirit put in Jesus' genealogy. Rahab. Okay, here we go again. Was David's, King David's great-great-grandmother and was a prostitute in Jericho whose lies saved the lives of Israel's two spies. In exchange, her whole family was saved. In Hebrews, in the, in the 11th chapter where all the heroes of faith are listed, she's listed in there, and it's just not like Rahab. No, it very plainly says Rahab the harlot. Why would holy God put Rahab the harlot as a hero of faith and in the divine redeemer's genealogy. He did it purposefully. He did it purposefully. So that you and I in 2019, no matter what kind of dysfunction and fracture has ever happened to us or our family, we can know that God is not afraid of it. He's not afraid of chaos. He, do he doesn't just try to ignore those people. Well, we're pretty good, but there are some individuals in our family. I'm telling you, God looks for the individuals in the family. And you may be one of those individuals in the family. Let's look at the third one. Ruth, an exceptional woman, was David's great-grandmother. Well, who's she? She has a whole book named after her. She was really quite notable, but what about her family? Her own family, however, were Moabites. Who were Moabites? The Moabites were a tribe that descended from a man by the name of Moab. Who's he? He's the son of Lot, Abraham's nephew. Moab was a product of an incestuous relationship with his daughter. How did these people make it to the Bible? on purpose, on purpose. Because the power of the blood of Jesus has potential to put it in a song that we sing on a Sunday morning. Jesus, you change some things. You put a Band-Aid on the real bad things, wrap it up so we can't see it. No, Jesus, you change Everything, there is nothing too far from the blood of Jesus. Let's look at the last one, Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the woman who David committed adultery with. 
He was a great king. But this is in the Bible. Why does God put these things in the Bible? Seems like they should be things that you just try to cover up and just forget. No. David committed adultery, and then on top of that, he had that woman's husband murdered to cover up the fact that she became pregnant with that adulterous situation. It's terrible. Her name is not in Matthew, but it says the wife of Uriah. That was her husband before David killed him. There's a song, an old one we used to sing, written by a man by the name of Andre Crouch. And it says this, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary's tree. The blood that gives us power from day to day will never, the blood that gives me strength from day to day will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain, listen to this, and it flows to the lowest valley. So whatever crack, whatever, whatever valley, whatever crater, life has dealt you or dealt your family is not too deep for the blood of Jesus. His blood is actually designed to redeem and to restore and make people whole. Let's just prove it, amen? Now, go to Exodus, the 12th chapter, and we're going to look at this before we go today. Exodus, the 12th chapter. Before the children of Israel, um, before they left Egypt, you know, uh, Abraham's family ended up turning into a nation. They had so many that they weren't just a huge family. They went down to Egypt to 70 people, but there they were prolific and they became a nation of people. Well, they were under slavery there in their later years there, and so God had to get them out. The night before they got out, they had Passover. We take communion uh, now based upon what happened way back then in Exodus. And there's many beautiful things about Passover, but I want you to see this. Exodus 12 and verse 3 says, Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family, can we just say each family? Okay, each family must choose a lamb to be a young goat for a sacrifice one animal for each household. This little lamb that was sacrificed, um, the blood ended up saving that household from death when the blood was put on the doorpost. The body of this lamb, the body of that lamb was eaten by all the people in the family and the body healed everybody so much so that when the children went out of Israel or out of Egypt, the Bible said that there was not even one sickly among them, weak or sickly. But the part we want to focus in here is a lamb for each house. Jesus now one lamb. Doesn't have to be many sacrifices. They're all one sacrifices. But any home, any family 
who will look to him, salvation can come to that house. Not just to individuals, the whole house. Don't we wish that it could all come to pass in a week or a month? It didn't come to pass and it doesn't come to pass in a week or a month. But the purpose of redemption is for us individually, as a male, as a female, for marriages. But it's also for family. There's hope for your family. There's hope. Not by your might, not by your power, but there is hope in Jesus. Look at this last verse of scripture together. Romans, the eighth chapter and verse 29 in the Passion Translation, it says, for he knew all about us before we were born. That's interesting, isn't it? He knew all about us before we were born. And he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. You may be reflecting fractures of your generations, your family fractures things, personality, weirdness, meanness, manipulation, abuse, depression, whatever, unfaithfulness may have been reflecting, but if in Christ you have a brand new start and opportunity to reflect Jesus. In the same way Jesus reflected the Son, or reflected His Father, we are born again to reflect Him and reflect our God. This means the Son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters. If you can go back to that, Romans, the eighth chapter, a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Before you were ever born, God knew you would be born. He knew the challenges you would face. He didn't make those challenges. People's sins and choices make those challenges. But what he did provide is a remedy. And the remedy is to make us glorious to him. Could we just bow our heads? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your great love that even when you saw us in our situation, in our broken state, some more fractured than others, but all of us fractured, all of us carrying in our personalities and in our lives the evidence of being a human in a broken race. Thank you so much for loving us that way that you didn't leave us this way, but you gave us your only begotten son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, wouldn't have to stay this way. We could be born again. And so, Father, I pray for everyone listening today that they would know that today, simply by asking Jesus to come into their heart, they can be born again. Pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for your love. I believe you gave Jesus. I believe he came to save me. Jesus, I receive what you did for me. That you took my sins. You took my fractures. I receive that. I also believe that you are alive today because God raised you from the dead. I ask you to be the Lord of my life in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now lay your hand on your chest. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person, every male and female, for every marriage and for every family that is represented in this room. I thank you for divine hope and restoration. Thank you so much for the glory that is in you that has power to transfigure us in Jesus' name. May we remember 2019 as a year of great transformation, great change. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.